This is Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance from CFG Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Travis provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance. Welcome back to another show of Navigating Your Retirement with your host, Travis Chance from CFG Wealth Management. Folks, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please give us a call here at 877-269-0839. That's 877-269-0839. Joining us this morning is not only Tony Shore, but also, uh, folks, with all of the volatility that we have seen over the last few weeks, Tony and I have talked about it. Uh, we've we've talked about ways to to strategize to try to try to keep your eye on the long term goals. Try to make sure that uh, that we don't make bad decisions because obviously when there's stress in the market and people don't understand, sometimes listeners it can be easy to to make a decision when that's probably not what was in your best interest. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is we have actually asked one of our money managers, Gradient Investments, Jeremy Bryan, who is a senior portfolio manager manager at Gradient to come in and kind of give us some feedback, give us some thoughts on on what's going on in the market with the coronavirus, with oil, with some of the other stressors that we've got going on and try to help us make sense and help our listeners and our clients actually figure out, you know, what is exactly going on in this this uh, whirlwind that we've been in for it seems seems like forever, but it's actually only been about three or four weeks. So, wow. uh, Jeremy, good to see you this morning. Thanks for having me, Trev. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I did want to start with, so we'll just dive right in uh, just to, to be cognizant of our, our time. Uh, you know, one of the things that has has led, I think, a lot of the uncertainty in the markets has been the coronavirus. And I think that's a fair statement. I think uncertainty uh, is definitely a very apt description. So if you don't mind, could you kind of fill us in, tell us uh, some of the some of the the, the minutia, the technical side, uh, because, you know, obviously everyone and their brother, there's, they've probably tuned into their, their brand of news station, but give us, give us some information that's not politically based, but actually more based in the numbers and the, the facts and the data. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's the way we like to look at things too. So that's an absolutely good way to, to kind of assess where we are. Um, and certainly you're absolutely right. Coronavirus is the predominant source of the volatility and especially the downside volatility we've seen lately. You know, from our perspective, there's a couple things going on is that clearly we're operating under some social restrictions, right? We're closing down bars, we're closing down schools, we're doing those kinds of things. So what does that do? Well, it does a couple of things. One is on the demand side, right? If you can't go out as much and you can't do what you were doing before, you're probably going to spend less. So we have to understand that that's going to slow the economy. How much? We don't know as of yet, but that's that's what we can be certain of is that the demand side will reduce. The other side that's happening and, and pay, people maybe not paying as much attention to is what's happening on the supply side. And so when you have workers out of the office or reducing, working from home, adjusting their schedules and adjusting production, 
that has an impact on the supply side as well. You know, you're, and I'm not talking about toilet paper and hand sanitizer here. What I'm talking about is production of just industrial goods or production of services. But do either one of you know where I can get some toilet paper? Because I think we need to talk about that as well. That's, a, that's enough out of you, Tony. <laughs> that's it i'm done for the show now and so from our side that's the one we're paying attention to too because you know anytime you have shifts in supply you also have disruptions as well and so there's kind of the twofold thing that is going to slow down the economy overall again we don't know how much but we do know in all likelihood we are going to be facing with a slowing economy over the next six months The things that are going on the other side of that is that we are trying to address it, whether that's providing more cases or providing more testing for cases to start to see the magnitude of where we are in this regard. And also making sure that the Federal Reserve has supplied us with plenty of liquidity so that markets stay orderly, if you will. And then lastly, you know, we're going to see businesses and governments adding some stimulus of their own and trying to make sure that the disruption we're going to be facing is temporary. And there's things that they can do with regard to, you know, there's a lot of activity out there right now. And frankly, we don't have anything concrete yet, but there's still a lot of things that they can do to adjust this, especially if we're in a shorter term weeks or even a couple of months time frame to where we can get reengaged in growth in Q4 of 2020. We have seen a lot of market volatility just because everyone out there is kind of scurrying around and they don't know. We are obviously on the beginning. It Just by sheer factor of our numbers, we are going to have more tests, which means cases are going to increase. Not that they weren't there already, but because we are now increasing the testing, the sheer statistics are probably going to go up. Now, does that mean that we are worse off tomorrow than we are today? No. That just means that basically now we have a way to quantify them, right? We have a way to count them. Uh, and and also, you know, that fear, which is is actually un, unknown at this point, because that's really what fear is. It's, it's the fear of the unknown, right? It's the anxiety because we don't know what's going on in the market. So uh, one of the things, Jeremy, that we've told our listeners, and, and I'd like your input as well, just to, to kind of reinforce or, or give us your input on your side of the coin, we've told we've told investors, look, you know, here's the deal. We we have different buckets of money that do different things. Uh, if you had money in equities, uh, one of the worst things that you can do is is try to time the market and, you know, go all in, go all out, go all in, go all out. Because, you know, we have seen the, the velocity of this correction has basically caused a lot of people to kind of say, whoa, what, what's going on? And the problem is, is when you go all to cash, uh, what's going to happen? You have to know two dates. Number one, when's the market going to bottom? And number two, when's your entry point? Well, if you don't know those and you don't know when that's going to happen, chances are you could get whipsawed because you could have like what we had on Friday. You know, if someone had gone to cash and then all of a sudden they jump back in on Friday because the market's up 10 percent. Well, today they, you know, they would probably not be uh, as excited as they were maybe on Friday. And that's just trying to time the market, which never works. Uh, what Jeremy, in your opinion, do you do you agree with that logic? Do you disagree? Tell me what your your opinion is. Yeah, my opinion is you're absolutely right. And I think where you started is the, is the most important is to have those different buckets of your time horizon or just where you are from the cash perspective, having that to making sure you have your expenses covered for the next three to six months, those kinds of things. Don't take a lot of risk there. 
it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And then from the growth bucket or the longer term bucket, the stuff you're not going to touch for five plus years and maybe even 10 plus years, that's where you want to be able to take some more risk. And you don't want to exactly what you said before about getting whipsawed or getting, you know, selling, selling low and buying high is what we tend to call it. And so that especially now when you're seeing four, five, nine, 10% moves every day, the emotions really can kind of take over sometimes and you start to try to do those types of things. And it usually leads to negative outcomes rather than positive outcomes. So we just say that's not a game you probably want to play. If you've done the homework up front, you have your buckets aligned in the proper manner and you have a well and well thought out investment plan, chances are that is still your best long term chance of meeting the objectives that you set forth at the outset. We talk about it on the show and we've talked about it in person. Market corrections, uh, they are going to happen. And even though we've basically had a market that's gone straight up for 11 years, 12 years, you had to know that at some point there was something that could be like a black swan. That's the reason uh, we encourage all of our listeners and all of our all of our clients to basically plan as if we're going to go into the lost decade uh, when they're planning for the first five to 10 years of their retirement. The reason being is if you go back from 2000 through 02, have the dot com crash and then you followed up with the 2008. If your portfolio can still be successful through those periods it makes it a lot easier to tolerate today's uh, you know weeks like we've had over the last few weeks because you already know okay hey I, I've already I've already seen what would happen in my portfolio if we had something like that occur and this is not that but you know if it were to turn into that well you already know you've already tested it you've you've got the uh, you've got the data to back up that you know yes you'll still be successful in retirement or better to the point. If you're five years or in from retirement, you'll still be able to retire, right? And that's really what's important is you don't want to let the market volatility deter you from accomplishing your goals. You want to have a clear plan. And that's what we preach uh, here on the show on a regular basis. Now, one of the things uh, Jeremy has just said, and we, we've talked about, you know, there's no way to call a bottom on, on when all of these coronavirus cases are going to start subsiding. Uh, it could be two weeks. It could be three weeks. It could be whenever. We don't know that. Uh, but one of the things that, that we have seen especially is uh, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of you know, uh, some of the states, New Jersey, New York, uh, they're coming in and saying, OK, we're going to limit, you know, uh, restaurants to just take out or this or that or the other. And I think, Jeremy, that only adds to the to the to the volatility and to the fear, because once again, people are like, OK, well, what is that going to mean for this industry or that industry? And and like you said, I think one of the things we need to do is is we have to be completely logical, which is very difficult in times like these. But it, it will help us make a good decision on what's actually coming down the pipe. Now, uh, as far as as far as the markets are concerned, you know, as far as your opinion, uh, once we get into some of the peak numbers, uh, you know, we've talked briefly on the show about trying not to time the market. And we talked on this show about trying not to time the market. Um, is is it a fair assumption that as volatile as this market has been and as sharply as we have seen the decline, that if we do start to see numbers that aren't as bad as we're anticipating, we could see, and just like you know, Friday was a good example, we could see moves to the upside that could be just as sharp and just as volatile. Is that a fair statement? That is absolutely a fair statement. And the reason why is that 
right now the fear gauge is probably about as high as it gets, right? It's extremely high. There's a lot of fear about the unknown out there because we can't put exact numbers on what we're going to be dealing with or how long we're going to be dealing with it. So you've got a lot of fear in the markets, but usually that does tend to subside over time. And usually it's things that are incrementally better, right? Is that one of the things that are getting incrementally better is the number of cases. Let's use China as an example, right? China was the first source of this. Well, what we're seeing in China is that the number of cases, now there's still cases growing, but the number of cases are reducing. The number of new cases are actually coming down a bit. So that's providing a little bit of stability with regard to, okay, they've done some things like these social distancing or, you know, closing down things and those kinds of elements to say, we've provided a little bit of control to this overall. And so now you're seeing us starting to implement these in the United States, whether that be schools closing, whether that be restaurants. So as we do that, those numbers, hopefully, and this is the hope and the optimistic side of it, is saying that we'll have that under control eventually as well. We don't know the timing. That's the one thing I can't promise anyone on here. But if we do get that under control and we start to see the stabilization of cases, then you start to see businesses saying, okay, I think we're a little bit more under control. We can start operating, not business as usual right away, but at least not increasing the amount of things that are restrictive, but rather, rather than loosening it up. And so what you'll see is the markets will think of, will start to see that and it will react probably pretty aggressively, pretty fast. And that's why we're saying it's not logical to time it because it's incredibly difficult to do. We don't know when, but the markets will anticipate those kinds of things. And usually what ends up happening is the market moves fast. And a lot of people with that cash on the sideline say, well, I'll just wait until the next time it corrects down. Yep. And then that cycle just continues over and over and over again. If you don't mind, speak really briefly about a couple of things. The first one is, uh, obviously, we want to look at this as an opportunity, not as not as a long term problem, because uh, the reason that we do keep a little dry powder, we keep, uh, you know, some bonds, some cash, some some assets that aren't being hit right now is because when the markets do do uh, correct and finish and hit a bottom and they do start back up. And like you said, they move very fast when that happens. Uh, and we have an opportunity to rebalance into this. Uh, tell us kind of some of the things that Gradient's doing as far as uh, maybe portfolio, as far as uh, sectors that you guys are are looking at, some of the things that you're looking uh, as far as that may not be as impacted or may actually benefit from the environment we're in. Yeah, it's a great question. And that's really what we're doing on the blocking and tackling side is that we're looking for opportunities over a longer period of time. And really what we're looking for is those companies that we think over an extended period will still be fine. And usually those types of opportunities, when you want to jump on those types of things when this type of market occurs, because that's how you get your extended upside going forward. So the companies that we're looking at right now, we think are cheap, are extraordinarily good financial companies with regard to, I'm talking about balance sheets and income statements. And so saying that their finances and their house is in order, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bank. It's much more along the lines of companies who we think their operations are going to be fine, even if they're disrupted in the interim term, in the small and medium term here. Long term, they're going to be great. 
they have good balance sheets, they have good cash flow that they're paying that dividend and that they're growing a dividend over an extended period. So really we see that as opportunistic. And the reason why is that if you look at the treasury market right now, which is a good proxy for the bond market, 10-year treasuries are paying you less than 1% per year. Right now, a good stock like a Home Depot is paying you almost 2.5% per year just in dividends. So that alone is already giving you a payment. And we're pretty confident that even in this, even if we have disruptions in the short term, long-term Home Depot will be absolutely fine and they'll be able to continue to pay that dividend and probably grow that dividend over an extended period. And now, since we've had a 25% correction in the markets, that is on sale. And so that's the kind of opportunity within our portfolios. Those are the kinds of things we're trying to do is assess, hey, who's a good company out there that maybe we didn't get a shot at before because it was a little too expensive, and now we're getting a good shot at. A company we just purchased is Waste Management. That's a company that basically picks up garbage, for lack of a better term, which we believe will continue to be picked up over an extended period of yeah. time. So that's that's the kind of opportunity we're looking for, is that before it was just too expensive. Now it's in an area where it makes sense to us to buy it. And so within our portfolios, each of the portfolio managers are really doing their homework and trying to assess is like, what have we been looking at over the past six, eight months, maybe even the last year that we were like, man, we'd really like to own it, but it's just too expensive at this time, but has now come into our range. Gotcha. So, so as we, as we, we start to wrap up, one of the things I did want to discuss, Jeremy, is um, we actually went to Gradient uh, a few weeks back when the volatility began and started talking to them about, you know, some of the issues in the bond market, some of the opportunities, some of the things that maybe clients needed to have access to, uh, like a, a, a decent paying stable value type money market fund, right? Somewhere where you can hold cash three to six months uh, or, or more dry powder, if you will. Uh, and then also ways to hedge, uh, not, not eliminate, not get out of the equities, because obviously we want to have the ability to still participate because once again, like you said, you don't want to buy high, sell low. We want to actually still have some, some market exposure, but just have it be maybe a little bit more tempered because one of the things, uh, guys, uh, clients, uh, our listeners, you, you need to understand trying to pick the best time to get in or out of a market is literally like trying to, uh, in the, in the, in the middle of a car wreck, trying to, trying to find the perfect spot to jump out the window as the car is rolling over, flipping end over end. That's never going to be a good idea, right? We want to have the ability to still be safe, be locked in, be secure, and actually be able to to profit and to, to benefit from that way back up, not make bad decisions or maybe decisions that probably we wish we wouldn't make because think about 2008. How many people got out in, uh, you know, bottom just could not take it in February of 09, uh, March of 09, market started coming back up. 12 years later, we saw the market at 29,000 and change. So uh, you definitely don't want to miss it on the way back up. But Jeremy, would you kind of speak to the the two portfolios we're talking about? Just kind of give the listeners some of the basics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first one is we did. Uh, via Travis's help, actually, uh, launch a stable value fund, which he had a really good 
base case for it, which is saying, hey, I need a parking spot that doesn't take a lot of risk with regard to what's going on in the markets. And even the bond market right now is somewhat volatile, nowhere near to the level of the stock market, but there is some volatility there. And so, you know, for that dry powder or for that upcoming expense needs or what we talked about before is having a component in cash to make sure you can pay your bills and those kinds of things. We don't want to take a lot of risk there. We don't want to take any risk really at all. So from that regard, if we can have a stable value fund, which isn't going to provide a lot of return, but might provide a little bit of return, but isn't going to take a lot of risk over an extended period, we think it's a good portfolio as part of your overall plan. Remember, having those different buckets of some cash, some income, some growth, these kinds of things, this fits more in that cash safety, capital preservation you know, mode rather than anything growth oriented. So we just think it's a good part of our portfolio to be able to provide something conservative so that later on when, when things start to, you know, if you have that dry powder on the sidelines and you start feeling comfortable putting that to work, you can use this as the, as the spot for it and then get, get more aggressive later. On the other portfolio, which is a little more interesting to me, is with regard to our buffered index product. Um, that's what we call it is the gradient buffered index portfolio. And especially in these times of markets where we are having extraordinary volatility, a lot of what our clients are saying are, man, there, you know, if we could have something where I could participate in some of the upside but still have a little bit of protection on the downside, I'd love something like that. And that's exactly what this does. And so what we call it is a buffered index. And so it takes a position in an index, say the Dow Jones, and it says, okay, you are going to invest in a Dow Jones index, but you're going to be protected from a percentage of the downside. I'm going to use our current example is that we have a Dow Jones index based upon 15% downside protection. So what that means is if at this point the Dow Jones goes down by 10%, you don't experience any of that loss. Gross of fees, you'll have zero loss. If the Dow Jones goes down 20%, you will have a 5% loss because you've gone past that buffer. You had 15% of protection. And so it really provides a little bit of downside protection, especially in these volatile markets where people are worried they're going to continue to lose money. But what it also does, and, and the second question is, you never get a free lunch, how am I protecting this? Which is an absolutely valid question. We protect, or how you pay for that is by having a cap on the upside. And the cap right now is 15%. So if the markets do rebound, you will rebound along with the markets. If the markets are up 7% at the end of the maturity of this buffered index portfolio, you will get 7%. If the markets are up 15%, you will get 15%. Now, what after that, that's the bigger component of the rebound is where you will be so if the market goes up 25%, you will still only be up 15. If the market's up 30, you'll be up 15. But right now, especially with the volatility, people are willing to say, and what we're getting a lot of client feedback is saying, yeah, I don't mind giving up some of that upside potential in order to protect myself from the downside over the next 18 months. And so this is where this portfolio really comes into play is we do these monthly and we think it's a really good component for clients to use that builds on that, hey, I can take some upside, I can get some upside from the growth in the markets, but I can also protect myself a little bit in case we still have continued downside from, from these levels. Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know Tony and I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? 
Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Again, from our perspective, staying the course, having those conversations is absolutely fine during this regard. And if you need anything from us, feel free to reach out as well. So, All right. Well, good deal. Uh, hey, guys, before we go, just as an aside, remember uh, – Everything we talk about here is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation. Uh, but if you do have questions, you do have comments, concerns, if you'd like more information, give us a call. 877-269-0839. That's 877-269-0839. And let us sit down and help you figure out what's going on with your portfolio in this environment and hopefully make some sense of of your situation so it can benefit you and your family long term. Thank you for listening to Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Travis at CFG Wealth Management. Call 877-269-0839 or visit them online at navigatingretirementradio.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by CFG Wealth Management LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Georgia. Insurance products and services are offered through TL Chance Inc., an affiliated company. CFG Wealth Management LLC and TL Chance Inc. are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.